Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to today's podcast episode. I'm really excited to welcome back Bronson Hill, and he is all about expanding your net worth, creating passive income, growing cash flow for the busy professional. He was here on my show last year, and I'm really happy to have him back see what he's been up to, the real estate market. He's also got a new book, which we'll talk about. And um, Bronson, welcome back. Hey, Christopher, really happy to be here. Love talking to physicians. And man, I mean, my background 10 years working with physicians, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to finances. So really looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, I know last time you came, we were talking about, you know, why passive investing kind of, that was like right before the Fed was hiking interest rates, um, kind of talk about the state of the market now, interest rates, market uncertainty, volatility, and we'll get more into details. Yeah, so that's uh, that's good. Yeah, we uh, when we talked, yeah, the Fed has now. I mean, October of 2023. You know, they've raised rates eight times, I believe, over the last year and a half, and uh, it's real estate's gone from, in my opinion, being very attractive to being more challenging, and it's challenging from deals that. Uh, you know, people are involved with particularly value add deals where you're coming in and doing renovations. Um, and so we've actually done a little bit of pivots where we've moved a little bit to do some alternatives such as uh, cash flowing investments like ATM machines and car washes and oil and gas and just things that are, you know, they don't really have interest rate risk. It, typically, there's no leverage, but they do cash flow and there's other upside as well. So, uh, you know, I, I love real estate. I think there's a huge demand for particularly multifamily or, or housing uh, in real estate. But I think having, uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, if you're a surgeon, right, you have different tools for different types of surgeries or, you know, you have a clamp, you've got scissors, you got a knife, you got this, you got all these specialized tools to help you get the job done. It's kind of like that with investing. It's really what is your goal? If it's cash flow or depreciate, you know, trying to reduce taxes or or maximize, you know, long-term wealth or things like that. And so having different tools in your belt, but it's something we're paying close attention to what's happening uh, in interest rates and in real estate and also finding alternatives as well. Yeah. I love this idea that you're talking about is now you have to be more strategic. Um, a lot of clients are saying now is not a good time. And now is also a good time. So you have to be very selective in what you're looking at, uh, how you're evaluating deals. And it's been more challenging, as you said. So um, so kind of talk about this, uh, you know, this interest rate. People are saying we're at the peak of the cycle. And I think today's GDP numbers came out really strong. It seems like the, all the numbers always come out strong. But in so, you know, the Fed's incentive to lower rates just doesn't make so kind of talk about this macroeconomic outlook. You know, I know you're not a yeah. forecast, but uh, just yeah, kind yeah, of no, it is important. It's really important. I think this is, um, you know, that's one thing I hear about physicians is as a lot of physicians are, are very data driven. And so it's really important if you only were paying attention to real estate in 2008, 2009, 
you could have lost everything easily, right? Because you weren't paying attention to these macro forces that were kind of above. And so uh, really when we look when we look at what you know, we call it the cost of money, right? The cost of money is what is the interest rate if it's more expensive. If uh, if rates were zero percent and they're just zero percent forever, then you know, you could just borrow and have no like you just, just pay off the debt whenever you want to, right? And uh, there are places in the world where that does exist, like Japan. And, you know, single family, when you buy a home, it's literally 0%. And even there's still, but there's always issues that come up. So being able to understand and speak kind of macroeconomics to know what's happening uh, is really important. So I think, um, and when it comes to your goals, a lot of people that I find that are physicians or business owners, they're looking for uh, a way to how do I develop wealth outside of my job? Because no matter how much you make, and I worked with a lot of physicians, I had a couple of cardiologists I worked with that made over $2 million a year, and but they were working 60, 80 hours a week, which is not uncommon in, in you know, as a physician, or it's difficult to take time off. And so if you have a business, or if you're doing a time for money trade, like I've got to go in and do these procedures or, or see these patients or else I don't get paid, um, you know, it's important to try to find ways, like Warren Buffett says, uh, you know, if you don't learn how to make money while you sleep, You'll work until you die. And so I call it like this other, this whole other column that most people don't really know about, like passive income, right? You put money over here and it actually generates cash flow. And typically it's not owning single family houses, it's not trading stocks, it's not having an online business, it's none of these things because none of them are really passive. You know, if you can't 10x the size of what you're doing, meaning you have two rental houses now, if you can't very quickly go to 20, um, then it's not passive. And so I like trying to find scalable wealth where it takes up, uh, you know, it doesn't take more of my time, or maybe just a little bit of time on the front end to get into deals, but it allows people to really start generating cash flow. So if you have two things, I'll just say this, then I'll move on. We can move on to something else. But um, I used to wonder like, what's better, appreciation or cash flow, right? If you have a deal that, that's just going up in value, or you have something that cash flows consistently, say, well, you know, it's good to have a little bit of both, whatever. I have become such a cash flow guy because cash flow is what allows people to leave jobs and replace uh, you know, mortgage payments and just be able to cover expenses. And when my passive income, literally, I don't have to do anything, my passive income covered my living expenses. That's kind of the first base, we call it our RAS, rat race, our rat race number, right? Once you can cover that, you know that you don't have to work anymore, right? You, if, you, if you don't want to, you don't have to, or you can dial it back to part-time or do what you want. And that's what I love seeing with people when we can help them to uh, you know, get over their rat race number and be able to have passive income coming in, or at least get started in it, and they can see their themselves on that road. It's very exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's all about the cash flow and replacing your your uh, tradable income. You know, the one you're trading time for money. So you alluded to um, the uh, store self storage and then other types of real estate. Um, a lot of physicians they're interested in multifamily apartments. Um, and then we'll get also in, get into commercial, but what are you, what are your thoughts on multifamily in this current environment? Um, I think multifamily is, is challenging and it's not that, you know, the underlying asset itself is usually, you know, multifamily is a great asset. I mean, it's, we know there's demand there. We're short four to 7 million apartment units. Uh, the challenging part is the lending. The lending is the tricky part. And so I think there's some situations where uh, it makes sense. I think, uh, you know, one deal I like a lot is if you can find, uh, you know, fixed rate debt in general, but longer term fixed rate debt uh, that's an, an assumption. So meaning maybe there's seven or eight years left on a 3% loan. We're seeing some stuff like this where people are selling deals that have sometimes, you know, seven, eight, nine years left on a deal on the loan terms that it just gives you much, much more time to be able to have it at a fixed rate, a low rate. So I, I like those kind of deals. 
Um, you know, I think the challenge, and I think you were asking this before in your earlier question, is what, what are rates going to stay higher? Are they going to come down? What's going to happen? I'm obviously my crystal ball is broken, uh, but if you look historically at, <laughs> at, at rates, I mean, they, they typically are about where they are now. I mean, seven eight percent is pretty normal. It feels really painful right now. I mean, they say uh, just even single family houses to buy a house right now nationally it costs about fifty percent more. 50% more a month, or there's a premium of 50% as opposed to renting. So that can't last forever, right? But then you have all these people that have these really long mortgages in there that may never sell. Because if you own and you want to move, just don't sell your house. Just rent it out to someone else and then buy another one. And so, uh, you know, the issue becomes it's uh, uh, it can be challenging to predict what's going to happen. Uh, but I think, you know, if you find something, the numbers make sense. We are seeing pricing come down, on, uh, you know, in, a bit, in some areas. Um, so if you can find a deal, um, I, th I think it is actually worth looking into because you, know, you buy a deal, the price is fixed, but the interest rate can be changed later. So if you find something as, as a decent price, um, if rates do come down or when they come down, which could happen, uh, then you have the ability to refinance later. Yeah. And then the other um, domino or people that are looking at real estate is commercial because work from home, empty, high rates, hard to refinance, you know, if you're selling, you're selling at a loss. What do you, what are your thoughts on commercial? Well, I think commercial is, uh, there's lots of parts of commercial and multifamily is part of commercial. You have retail, you've got office space, you've got other things. So I think the biggest thing in any commercial genre or warehouse, uh, the biggest one I think is, is office space, uh, that's really in trouble because a lot of people are not coming back to the office or seeing a lot of these places now are taking, uh, big write downs. You know, people are paying, yeah, for COVID, sometimes they're paying, you know, 30 to 50% rent that they were paying before, right? Because a lot of people just aren't coming back, you know, they're downsizing. So we've seen, you know, major sections of San Francisco, just people giving properties back to the bank, both in retail as well. And that's, of course, that's San Francisco, which is, you know, San Francisco had other problems, but just in general office space, we do see some issues there. I've heard people that, uh, you know, warehouse has done very well because a lot of the people, you know, doing more Amazon or more uh, ship, you know, to home type of products. Some retail, depending on the area, is doing very well, but it does depend on the area. You know, commercials, uh, a very big space, but uh, I think, you know, it depends what, what segment it is and what part of the market. And this people ask sometimes, well, how's the, how's the real estate market doing? We've got our 200 million in multifamily. And I said, well, what do you mean? Do you mean like single family, multifamily in the city, out of the city? Are we talking Florida? Are we talking LA? Are we talking suburb? Are we talking the city? So there's so many parts of even commercial real estate. Um, you know, it could be you know, triple net. It could be all kinds of different things. So there's lots of different things to look at there. Yeah. We'll move on to, you know, that was a really interesting talk. And then talk about this new book that you have, Fire Yourself, and what's it about, you know, kind of the key ideas where they can find it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, so I just wrote this book. It's on the back behind me here called Fire Yourself. It's like forward by Ken McElroy, my good friend, who's got about $2 billion in, in, in real estate. Uh, basically, the whole thought is um, kind of we're talking about how do you fire yourself to where you don't, you know, work is optional. You don't have to go to work, but it's uh, the, the subtitle is replace your working income with passive income in three years or less. So if you if you know nothing about real estate or, you know, you should do real estate, but you're not invested, uh, it's a great book just to get you familiar with some different assets outside of uh, you know, traditional stocks and bonds. And I, I used to be a registered investment advisor, which is an RAA. Um, now I call myself an RAA, which is a recovering investment advisor. So I'm no longer licensed. I'm no longer an investment advisor, but I, I still myself I'm recovering. But uh, anyway, so there's things about, you know, Wall Street and a lot of people, a lot of physicians particularly have a money person, but they don't realize that 
there's a misalignment of interest, meaning over 50% of, of these large fund managers that typically what you're invested in, they don't have a single dollar invested in the funds they're managing, right? They manage over $100 million, they don't have any money at all. And also with the fees, I mean, they'll say fees are 1.2 to 1.5%. But it's typically more like 3.2%. Tony Robbins had a thing in his book uh, that came out talking about this, how um, you know, legally they don't have to disclose all these hidden fees. And then they're taking typically another 2%. If you have somebody that's one of these big Wall Street firms, uh, like Morgan Stanley or Edward Jones, one of these groups, they'll take another 2% on top of it. So you're looking at 3.2% plus 2% for the, for the advisor. I mean, that's like 5.2% that you think you're only paying 1.2%. So it's a lot of these hidden fees, people, it just becomes a glorified savings account. The returns for the stock market are typically around five to 7% per year. So that's most or all of your money going to, to, to Wall Street firms. So uh, this basically just gives people some other options, some other tools, some other ways to evaluate and vet deals and just to discover what's out there and how they can get involved with it. Yeah. So this is a really interesting question is, um, you know, a lot of people, they say, okay, um, you know, all I have to do is save, you know, a million dollars and retire. But, um, you know, this concept of retirement is, is really conflicted. And why do you think saving money is foolish? Yeah. So, you know, in general, especially when inflation is high, and this is something, you know, I have a, a guide of how to use inflation to your advantage on my website at bronsonequity.com and it's a free download. But, uh, you know, really the idea they're saying inflation is around three to 4%. Right now, and don't everybody know nobody panic, everything's fine. And yet, the dollar's lost 97% of its value since the Fed, uh, Federal Reserve was created in 1913. So, we know there's a plan to continue to devalue the dollar. And the higher the debts go, right now, the federal uh, you know, debt is around 32 trillion. Well, in the plan, in the budget, we're expected to increase that by over 20 trillion over the next 10 years. Right. So it's just it's in the plan. That's not even including Medicare and Social Security and all these pensions and things that are there. So just you know, when you have incredible amounts of spending, um, you know, it's important to try to figure out ways to get around it. Because if you hold, you know, fiat currency, um, which is just dollars, you know, it's not actually, you know, money is not dollars and dollars are not money. They're different things. Right. The money actually stores value. So I, li I like things like real assets, like real estate uh, businesses. I actually like precious metals like gold and silver. There's a 5,000 year history of precious metals like gold being money. And so those are things all to look into. And there's strategies around these so that um, you know, everybody, you know, trusts something like, okay, the dollar's looking strong. It's whatever we, we're just creating hand over fist more and more and more currency. And there's really no limit to what they can create. And it, it has value because we believe it has value. But if that ever switches where it's like, we just you know people to start stop believing the value is there, then people find an alternative and it can happen very quickly. So I think it's important to have alternatives and I know you're a real asset guy as well. So trying to find other assets are, are incredibly valuable. Yeah. Cause if you think about it, you know, the value of, of what you can buy, the purchasing power is going down rapidly. And if you're saving just money, basically 10, 20 years, that values you, you've lost money, but you have to put it into real estate, equities, appreciating assets, cash flowing assets, tax advantage assets. Uh, that way you can keep up. The The other question is this idea of um, you talk about outsmarting Wall Street through Main Street investments. What do you mean by that? Um, well, I think, you know, in general, I mentioned some of the, the misalignment of interest in Wall Street, right? That they're they're out to make money and you could lose half of the value of your portfolio and they're still going to get paid. And that doesn't feel right quite fair. You could literally lose 50% and they're still getting their fees, maybe slightly less. They might get half amount of fees, but they're still getting fees. 
And, you know, just with the way there's, there's more of their stuff that comes out every year about insider stuff with Wall Street and things that they're doing, and they, they have access to information. Uh, this is one example. This is not a, a super present example, but there was a, um, uh, a book that Michael Lewis, who wrote, um, I believe he wrote, wrote The Big Short, I think, and he's written a bunch of stuff, uh, Moneyball and some of these books. Um, he wrote this book called Flash Boys, and they found that they could basically, from Chicago, uh, they could basically go and put in fiber optic. They were the first ones to put fiber optic cable from Chicago to New York, and they were able to get uh, just a split second faster than everybody else, be able to get the information when a buyer or sell order would come in, and they would front run. Let them you know they would just go in and like put in an order or change the pricing right before you ordered, and they were able to take just like a couple pennies or a small fraction of a cent on each side, where it would, it would just slightly increase and decrease. And this came out later, but it was like, they, they basically made you know something like $80 billion on this one strategy. But it's a good way to think about how Wall Street really works, right? That they are gonna find a way to take money on the front and back and find a way to, and so that's just like, you know, take little things here and there. But again, there's so much information that they have. And it's, it's kind of sad to me that we call stocks traditional investing, Whereas, you know, in 1929, people, you know, know the story that, you know, the stock market lost 89% of its value uh, in, in the next few years uh, between 1929, 1932 or 1933. And it did not recover to the place it was for 25 years. So there's a time in there where people said, why in the way, even the public, why in the world would you ever buy stocks? Of course, that was the best time to buy stocks when it was already crushed. But um, so I, I'm a bit of a contrarian investor where it's like, you know, um, I just think too many people are too heavily invested in stocks and bonds and you have to find alternatives because, um, you know, they're not looking out for you. And it's it's a super volatile asset class. It can, it can change so quickly. And I just think having some diversity is important. Yeah. Yeah. I know, uh, you know, we, we have a hard stop soon. So kind of talk about, you know, you've spoken with over 1500 high net worth in the investors. And so what are some of the things that you learned and kind of ended out with how people can follow you, contact you, check out your work? Um, yeah. So, you know, if you go to my website, bronsonequity.com, I've got that free report of how to use inflation to your advantage. There's a couple of things we didn't mention, but when you take out debt, that's you know, even if it's seven, eight percent and inflation, I think is actually that higher, higher. Um, and you're basically, you know, especially for a while that you're getting, you know, stuff way below the rate of inflation and you have this long term fixed debt. And if you get an appreciation in price of an asset such as real estate, um, if it goes up 10 percent and you only put 10 or 20 percent down, you either had a 50 or 100 percent increase on your on the amount of equity you have. So so that's a tool we have. Also, as you mentioned, um, we do have my book, Fire Yourself, which is on Amazon. You can check that out. And then we also have investors join us in deals. If you're interested in getting more access to deal flow, some stuff that's pretty unique. We're having some unique deals that we're seeing these days. So appreciate you having me though, Christopher. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And we really enjoy uh, having repeat guests and come on and talk about the state of the market, You know their new works. And um, also check out um, Bronson's podcast host, the Mailbox Money Show. That'll be in and Twitter, YouTube. He's all over social media. These links will be in the show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks so much, Christopher. I got to get you on my show. It'd be fun to have you on the Mailbox Money Show. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks, man. listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify 
iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.